It was the year of fans. The year of newbies. The year we reviewed the shows we love. It was the year of predictions. The year of great feedback. The year of puns. And the year of memes. It was a new season. It was a podcast of future history. It was the year absolutely nothing changed. The year is 2015. The show down below. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. I'm Beth. Uh, unfortunately, Heidi can't be with us today, but we are pleased to be joined by Derek. Hey, Derek. Hey. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes. I uh, just listened to your latest Web of Queer podcast, and I thought it was great. Oh, thank you for coming Ah, uh, that, that should be the one with the Enlightenment review on it. Uh, it was the season review. Oh, the season review. Uh, there's a newer one out um, with oh, an I... Enlightenment review on it. Unless, uh, I, can't, I can't remember our release order because things get messed up sometimes. <laughs> oh, no, it was the first unlike time. Unlike this, yeah, unlike this, <laughs> um, half the time when there's not an episode out, we don't need to... Um, Worry too much about which review goes where. Yeah, yeah, we've had a uh, couple of episodes out after that one. Okay. No, at first I oh. thought, because I was like the bisexual part and lesbian, queer, and transgender of, like, I was thinking of the old Doctor Who series. So I'm like, the first Doctor, did he really ever address that? And then I realized it was the new series and it made a whole lot more sense. So. Right. Huh. Okay. <laughs> It's like 1963. I don't think they really uh, talked about that on television much, but it was subtle. Yeah, <laughs> it was more subtle than Talia and Susan. Oh, <laughs> I, I don't want to think about the first Doctor and sex because he was like 150. So yeah, he was. <laughs> um, well, um, yeah, we've got a couple of other episodes out since then, which reviews the. Um, Oh yeah, sorry. That yeah, the Christmas episode and the overview of series nine is one episode, and the one after that is um, enlightenment review and a discussion on how asexuality is defined in the media and how it actually doesn't meet with real life experiences. Very cool, very cool. Well, excellent podcast. So anyone that wants yeah. to love of queer, <laughs> yes, sorry, Dr. Dr. Who fan. out there. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry if I'm sniffly and sorry if there are noises in the background. I have company. Well, <laughs> um, mm. They get to uh, listen to one side of this. Yeah, I get to just hear me talk. Um, <laughs> My three-year-old is upstairs, so if it sounds like an earthquake here, that's what he's doing. So he's bouncing <laughs> currently. So you joined us for a momentous episode. Um, today we are here to discuss episode 15 of season four, No Surrender, No Retreat. But first... Uh, the voice of the resistance. <laughs> this is an ISN underground report. In a galaxy-altering move, Captain Sheridan drew a line in the sand today against the tyranny of President Clark. 
In a bold maneuver, the White Star Fleet intercepted the blockade around Proxima Three. In reaction to Clark's forces shooting down, civilian transports fleeing the starving settlement. However, there were heavy losses on both sides, the most notable being the destruction of the Pollux, which was destroyed with all hands aboard. Proxima Three was, in the end, liberated, and the remaining Earth forces divided. Some will stand trial for their crimes. Some retreated to Earth, and several signed on to Captain Sheridan's liberation campaign. In other news, we say goodbye and good luck to Mr. Garibaldi, who was seen leaving the station. It is rumored that he is headed to Mars to work for Edgar's Industries, the pharmaceutical megacorp. Whatever his plans are, he will be missed by many on Babylon Five, despite recent incidents. Pardon the interruption. I have some news which I believe you will find most interesting. Would you like to hear the latest in Marvel television, film, video games, and comic books? Or are you looking for some ideas on what to pick up on New Comic Book Day? Well, join Mike and Eric on Mighty Marvel Geeks every Saturday night on Sorcerer Radio, and every Sunday on the Weeby Geeks Network for all things Marvel. There is a matter that requires your attention. Mighty Marvel Geeks, assemble. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? So, No Surrender, No Retreat originally aired in May 26, 1997. It was directed by Mike Vahar, who last did Rumors, Bargains, and Lies. Was that the one where he tricked them into signing that agreement? Yeah, I that was just a couple episodes ago, actually. So. Okay, yeah. Um, Why does that Bayhar? name sound slightly different than I remember? <laughs> I'm not sure, but Mike Vahar, he's... Um, one of the big Babylon 5 directors, and uh, I've yeah, been listening to, um, what's it, the Two Minute Time Lords Babylon 5's uh, rewatch. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of his podcast. Uh, what? Um, I just think it might be the Babylon 5 rewatch or something like that, and they keep on pointing out the episodes Mike Behar directs um, as, you know, because he's got a unique style, and Every time he directs an episode, um, it's really distinctively his episode. Yeah. It was written by JMS. Surprise, surprise. So, <laughs> it started with the recap. I thought you were not going to so talk the, about what you were doing in your life at this time? Or? Oh, this was at post-graduation, post-senior um, Luel, so I was probably kind of depressed about, <laughs> <laughs> about being done with high school and friends and getting ready to go off to orientation was the first week into June, I believe. So next week we'll talk about that because I do have a story about that. Hmm. Um, so this episode begins on September 2nd, 2261. Sheridan's had enough. And there's a lot of walking. Do you notice there's a lot of walking in this scene? Oh, at the start, definitely. It's, um, uh, you know, you've got the drums of war going and you've got everyone kind of marching into the war room. Yeah. Well, actually, no, it's not the war room to start with. It's the um, council chambers. Yeah, they're um, Sheridan Ivanova saying it's time for payback since we've been protecting you. All these treaties you have with Earth are null and void. And then while this is happening, this is when we see Clarence and C and C. This is Clarence's biggest role to date, I think. He was really serious and everything was really serious and he talked so much and 
He, I was just so happy to see him. It back. was almost like this little dramatic moment in episode when he showed up, you know, kind of like yeah. they were like, yeah, he's been gone a little bit, you know. That's what I was thinking, too, is like we know he's been missing. And yeah, but sad he, to say this is his only appearance in season four. Oh, I forgot that. I forgot that. Yeah. I was kind of worried about that. It's it's important, though, because he... It's a short role he's got here, but it's so important. He's actually the one drilling the fighter pilots. Yeah, not Ivanova. Yeah, and can can we say spoilers that this isn't his last time? Right, he'll be in season five it, and in some of the movies. I think. Yes, he will Sweet. be back. Uh, you've got to wait a while before you see him again. Okay. Is this the part where they talk about they want a fair fight with just um, Earth vessels against, or the White Star Fleet against? They say that later, but is it really a fair fight when you've got Minbari on technology? Yeah, yeah. That really isn't a fair fight, especially as the Minbari kicked (laughs) us ass last time around. Right, and it's like enhanced with Vorlon technology, so it's. (laughs) Us and Vorlon technology, which is a thousand million years ahead of anyone else, and Membari technology versus Earth. So it's a fair fight. (laughs) (laughs) So Jakar supports Sheridan and Ivanova's idea, and Sheridan's trying to convince them that eventually Earth is going to turn against all of them. So, yeah, they're going to take back Proxima 3, then Mars, and then Earth. Yeah, I noticed, and that at the beginning you, you can see Jakar and I really like the the direction. I think the direction is awesome for this episode. Yeah, you see yeah, Londo and Jakar is talking. Right. There's this look on Londo's face, I think. But it, when it and at the beginning of the meeting, they're said they're on separate sides, though. Like, they're as far as apart as they could be. Oh, yeah. yes. Definitely. So you're setting up that eventual not reconciliation, but at least them talking to each other. Um, yeah. He goes straight from the yeah. credits, though, straight back into high paced um, action again. You know, Marcus, Marcus running through the station. Yeah, um, yeah, so they want to know which ones have deliberately tried to avoid fighting which of the Earth Force ships, and he wants Franklin to get those telepaths ready because they'll be needed soon. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> to come into play this episode but Mm-mm. can i ask you <laughs> yeah um when you beth when you saw the episode before this did you think that this would be happening so fast because there was like that snippet at the end of what was it moments of transition yeah. one of uh, comes in and you know yells yeah basically says yeah um not really i guess probably i would have thought maybe a little bit more preparation but it's kind of like this episode is a conflict, but it's not a full-on conflict with Earth. It's kind of like a fringe conflict, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah. It's just that when I first saw it, it changed directions so fast. Oh, it really for sure. does. Yeah. You were like, it just got, it's just tacked on to the end there. It didn't really have anything to do with the rest of the episode. But so, I mean, yeah. in this episode especially, it, it feels like, right, that's the end of that chapter, Here's yeah. a new, new one. Definitely. Um, and they actually said the name of the episode in the scene. So, like <laughs> you said shots, the title. Maybe. 
Yeah, yeah, they rarely do that on this show, so I can forgive him this once. Um, well, yeah, look at the title. <laughs> yeah. Like, how to uh, work that into conversation. Uh, oh, well, uh, also, oh, I was going to say something and I completely forgotten that it, it had something to do with this, but oh well. So we cut to Veer, who's having nightmares, I guess, about Cartagia still having. Like, remember that happened earlier this season? <laughs> what did he say, though, when he woke up? He said... It's like, I didn't do it or something like... Is that what he said? Yeah. Like, was it me? Yeah, I think oh. so. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good to see, you know, it, it, he's not the same as um, Malari yet. He's still, you know, innocent somewhat. And he's struggling with something he had to do. Yeah. So Garibaldi's looking for Londo, but Londo's setting up a meeting, and Garibaldi's not going to come back in the fight on Sheridan's side. He's going to do it his own way. He's just now hearing about this campaign to take back Earth. Ah, uh, I'm there. You've come so far, but you still put your foot in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he seemed surprised that... Was it someone who was surprised that Sheridan didn't tell him ahead of time? Well, last time they talked to each other, didn't Garibaldi punch Sheridan in the face? So yeah, but Veer wasn't back on the station at that point, I think. He, oh, okay. I think he was still on Centaur Prime. So, yeah, he's a bit out of touch with what's been going on. Yeah, he is. And we go to see Clarence again, Yay. conducting drills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Clarence and Nevada are in this scene. They, they play off one another so well. It, it's, you know... Sheridan it's just might nice be to have another. Stage. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say it's nice to have another like speaking member, you know, of CNC. <laughs> yeah, just so yeah. just the background yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, but it's they've got such a great camaraderie. You know, they work day in and day out together. Mm-hmm. And whereas Sheridan's in charge of the station, he's up in his office doing all the. <laughs> Dealing with um, all the other races and whatever else he's doing, and you know, doing going through all the ceremonies with um, Delenn, whereas Ivanova and Clarence run the station together. They do, but you know what, though, you know, they don't have like an ease really. I mean, they they don't really have like a very, mm, I don't know how to say it. Um, she she doesn't let her guard down much with him. You know what I mean? She yeah. is still very formal, you know. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they work so closely because it's still very hierarchical. We actually heard his name once or twice in this episode. Mm-hmm. We don't, still don't hear his name very often. Um, but she tells him to trust yourself and to trust me. <laughs> in mm. so many words. It was a nice quote. mode. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the CNC extras are used to just reacting without speaking. <laughs> this is our first... I mean, we've seen brief glimpses, but we haven't seen the CNC in a long time in actual action. Yeah, usually they're in the war room. Well, yeah, nice. war room people mm. or whatever. Just the people that, that usually be in CNC. But we've seen them in the war room, and they just never really speak. They just kind of react... Yeah, although um, we do get a great reaction to Ivanova's line here. And yeah. With Clarence, he's kind of, yeah, she means it. 
if you like Dawson's Creek, there's a new Dawson's Creek podcast called We Don't Want to Wait by Robin and Steph. It's just a quick plug. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, uh, where am I? Yeah, so Ivanova updates Sheridan. He wants to make... So the plan is to make Earth think that they're going after Earth and Mars, but really they're going after Proxima 3. Marcus is off doing some stuff. And we see the Heracles is patrolling, and we also see the White Star fleet in hyperspace. Uh, they get some info from Proxima 3 about which ships are avoiding civilian targets. And Proxima 3 is in trouble. I I like how they have the um, guy on the other line on Proxima 3. They, the way they distort the audio, it sounds like a radio broadcast from the 40s or something during the Second World War. So Someone during the resistance there trying to get a message out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's like in um, Star Wars, the original, the only Star Wars with the Star Wars title, but where they're going to battle the Death Star and they use that kind of 40s uh, contact radio, like really staticky. Hmm. With all this advanced technology, that's what it kind of reminded me of, too. Yeah. I give them Brad's fear of doubt here. They're in hyperspace. It's technically a separate dimension, so that's really impressive they're getting a signal. Mm. <laughs> I know, I can't even get signal here sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I can't get a signal in the building I work in. Considering um, how slow the network is, we all know on Babylon 5. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> if they're still on the modem. <laughs> but wasn't Marcus uh, kind of like, oh, I'll get back to you in like five hours or something? Didn't he say something like that? I was like, what? That guy's probably panicking. <laughs> He's going to be dead if I <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you mean. So the next scene is probably my favorite scene of the episode. <laughs> Londo goes to visit Jakar to try to get him to issue a joint statement in support of Sheridan, but in the end, Jakar refuses. Oh, this is a brilliant scene. It really is. Yeah, did he? He ref- so he refused to do the joint statement, or he just refused to his apology. I, I was trying. He to didn't trouble. care about. Yeah, he didn't care about the apology, but he didn't. Want to sign the mm. statement? At this there, point, so you know, I At mean, the way I think it's largely the way Londo approached him. It's kind of, yeah, Londo is trying to make an effort here, but he's he's not quite going about it exactly the way he should. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> saying things like, um, you know, seeing him as a wounded animal. Yeah, don't say things like that. Yeah, that's to- not. Lando Super does not know shut up sometimes because he was mm-hmm. like, when you were being, I'm not going to do the exact quote because somebody probably has it, but when you were being tortured over there, you know, I felt really bad too. So my feelings were hurt too. <laughs> it hurt me more than it hurt you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's been a bad year for both of us. Uh, uh, kind of maybe more <laughs> you than me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did like the call back to when, um, Jakar bought Londo a drink in the wolf episode where the war broke out. And, yeah, definitely. Um, also, I I was really engaged with this scene, and usually I love the music in Babylon 5, but I really noticed it in this scene. It brought me out of the scene unusually, because I was about to write down that this scene was so great that, that you know, you just had the two actors speaking. You didn't need the music and the and then in comes this um, 
music when he starts discussing the, um, you know, the statement of support. Yeah. Uh, Damn it, you ruined it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's really unusual for Babylon 5. And Jakar, is he working on the same book he was writing in prison? Ah, uh, I think so. I really do. He's still writing his book. The Autobiography of Malcolm Jakar. <laughs> so. <laughs> reminds me of... Um, Family guy with a dog is writing a book. So, uh, wow, you're comparing oh, yeah, him yeah. to an animal as well. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn. damn. But a really smart, <laughs> smart animal. Um, but I mean, yeah, this is interesting psychologically because I, I see both sides. You know, I see Londo saying, but hey, you know, I did, you know, basically risk my life to help you. I mean, I'm not saying Londo's right. I'm just saying, like, I see his point of view. Like, he's like, hey, you know, what do I need to do to show you that, you know, I changed? Uh, And he's also trying to say, yes, I'm aware I made a lot of stupid decisions and I that caused an awful lot of people to get killed. I'm aware of that. I, You know, I'm owning up to that mistake. Yeah, but you can't force forgiveness, you know, and... And that's just what Solando is going to have to deal with because, you know, Jakar, it's only been a little bit of time. And that was a lot of stuff that happened. Yeah, so. and Jakar's got this constant reminder of a fake eye. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's another thing in the scene I really love as well that is underlying it that's saying, here, humans aren't special in their own right or important, but. What they're going through gives us a common ally to bring the us together. And all too often in sci-fi, it is humans that are special. Even earlier in Babylon 5, Delang gave this speech about how special humans are. But here it's not. It's just that this race needs our support, both of our support. We need to get over our differences and show them that support. Yeah, I mean... What struck me is Londo, when it comes to his home world, you know, he's always resigned to fate and he can't fight whatever, and which is really stupid because he always has a choice. Um, but he's always resigned to fate that the shadows are coming and then blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's destined to be emperor, then die as emperor, and he's just resigned to that. But outside of Alpha Centauri, he gets, you know, he, he makes all these really good choices um, when it comes to dealing with, yeah, outside of outside of his own race but with yeah he he's so active when it comes to babylon 5 but when it comes to his own people he's just like eh, it's whatever fate does yeah in a way it would be beneficial for him if he was exiled and cut off from the centauri prime completely and unable to even have any influence he'd have to redirect all his um efforts into you know Babylon 5 and elsewhere. Yeah. He should go on a book tour or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, go on like walkabout. No. <laughs> no, thank you. No, no, no more walkabout. So, it seems uh, like uh, he hasn't fully come to terms and accepted how much of a part he was of what happened. You know? Like how responsible he is for everything that happened. I just don't think he has fully accepted that. Yeah, and he said he was doing it for the good of his own people, so that may be how he kind of justifies... Yeah, and also maybe there's still some of him thinking that um, 
Morgan played him completely, not just with um, the death of Adira, but completely and utterly feels like he can blame Morgan for every bad decision he's made because he was manipulated into it. Mm-hmm. And you compare that with Veer, of course, who always makes, who, there is always a choice for Veer. You know, Veer, like, when he was supposed to get married all that time ago and he chose not to, and yeah. yeah, I mean, you got an example of it in this episode. Right. He's accepting what he's done. He's trying to come to terms with it and deal with it. And that's hard for him to do, but he's doing it. Okay, um, so Sheridan, Brees, everyone, before they go off to fight, is going to be in three waves. This is going to be their most difficult mission yet. And Clarence has noticed the paint job on the white star. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out, Clarence, because we would not have noticed. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have seen it. So Sheridan must want them to know who it is. <laughs> and Marcus joins Sheridan. They send out Unit 1 and they jump and the Heracles. See, I had trouble. Sorry, I was about keeping... to say it would be it would be too devious of Sheridan to write, let's paint this ship, paint it up with Babylon 5 markings, and let's put some random captain in charge of it. And I'll be in this yeah. other ship. That's a diversion. But no, Sheridan's not that sort, sort of person to do that. Where do they keep all? Are there all the white stars on the station? How many of them do they have? Hmm. Um, yeah, the Heracles. You know, I was having a little trouble keeping all the ships and captains straight. Oh, for sure. Second time, I got it. Oh. So the Heracles is captained by Captain Hall, who is Ken Jenkins, the guy who played Kelso on Scrubs. And ah, uh, yes. He was Courtney Cox's father on Cougar Town. Mm-hmm. Neither of which I've seen, unfortunately. But. Oh, uh, Scrubs, come on. I, hey, I've seen a little bit of Scrubs. I've seen a bit of it. He's yeah. so funny in Scrubs. He's good. Yeah, I, if I gave you a list, everybody would probably drop dead of the things I haven't seen. <laughs> And he's. Oh, uh, no, trust me. Um, Michaela on the Rebel Quiz seen probably less than you. <laughs> he's going to be in an episode of X Files in season eight. Well, he was in a season eight episode of X Files. Um, and his second is Levitt. She does some voices on The Simpsons and she was in a Splinter Cell video game. Yeah. Uh, they send the Pollux and Nemesis to investigate. Nemesis, wow. Uh, the, mm, that's an interesting chip name. Yeah, the Pollux and Nemesis. The Heracles and the Pollux are the ones that fired on civilian targets. Like the Heracles is the the Heracles and the Pollux are the really bad ships. No, no, hang on. I thought the Heracles was the one with Dumit was on. Oh no, uh, that's the that's the Vesta. Yeah. You see, it's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's see. The, the, yeah, the Heracles is with the the guy from um, Scrubs, apparently. But I always call him the "get off my yard" guy because he's, <laughs> he's grumpy. very grumpy. Like, get off my lawn, <laughs> kids. So Sheridan, go go play with your own bike. Yeah, Marcus has a pretty pessimistic outlook, and I'm like, oh, he's perfect for Ivana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Nemesis and Pollux go to Proxima, and Sheridan warns them not to fire unless fired upon first, sent out the second unit. And I thought it was interesting how they didn't recognize the White Star first. I just, you know, just didn't think about it. You know, they haven't seen these ships before. 
Well, not everyone has um, been briefed on them, I suppose, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of them, but... They still can't get them... I mean, because they were never able to get the Membari ships on radar. Yeah. So I don't know if they're still able to capture them or not on radar. Well, I would would think that Sheridan's trying to make it a fair point. Don't put the stealth on. Don't put the stealth on. I want them to see us. That's true. He'd do that. He really would. So Captain Hall sends the Vesta and Juno out. Juno. <laughs> so many ships. Um, uh, well, and... they're all, you know, Greek names, aren't they? Yeah. I think I have some notes about the names of the ships later. Um, but it's quite the awesome strategy, because they don't know how many ships Sheridan has, so it's like, put this amount over on the other side, so he has to send two ships or three yeah. fleet over there. Yeah. He doesn't bring them all out at once. Yeah, and, and then the second group's not the full group either, and so they have... To and so, you know, what's his name? McGrumpy, Admiral McGrumpy, he um, <laughs> says, Admiral no, McGrumpy. no, no, we can't we can't do anything, otherwise we'll be trapped in between two groups. In comes right. the third group. Oh, we're trapped anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, so Sheridan says, tells them to stand down or leave, and what you're doing is illegal. We can leave peacefully, though, but Captain Hall says, let's fight. And McDougal of the Vesta is talking to Sheridan, tries to get Sheridan to leave. So McDougal was played by Richard Grant. He's been on the Mindy Project, but he's also been on Deadwood. I love him on Deadwood. He's Hostetler. And his second is Commander Philby, who's been on the show before. He was the Purple Drazi. Mm. Oh, seemed familiar. Uh, not green. Purple. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so apparently McDougal doesn't necessarily believe in what Clark is doing, but he doesn't like what Sheridan's uh, doing. But, um. And McDougal was the one they talked about earlier that, Sher- like, when they were in the war room, Sheridan said he knew him and he. He wouldn't fire on civilians unless yeah. he said he wouldn't fire on civilians, and so I they established his name a little bit earlier as probably one of the good people. Yeah. So Kelso or Captain <laughs> Hall, in my notes I call him Kelso. Um, <laughs> he has the Heracles open fire, and Sheridan says to fire at will, and I ducked again. Um. So they're both sides are taking damage, and we see that the Vesta, or find out that the Vesta is hanging back, and Mac won't fire, even though um, Captain Hall says tells him to, and Kelso puts Commander Philby in charge, who takes over with a gun, he got his promotion. Yeah, that was a good line. It's like okay. <laughs> Well, uh, he had that gun ready real quick, didn't he? <laughs> yes. Well, you saw him kind of sneaking over to the side of <laughs> when the other guy was giving him or uh, giving him <laughs> the captain. Orders. He was getting ready. So, like, <laughs> this is my he's, job. Like, ready. It's like I can sense it. I can tell he's about to <laughs> yeah, relieve him of command. No chance. Well, yeah. I mean, this is an example of why I like this uh, fight because it's not just a complete space battle with. Um, ships flying over the place and cutting between commanders saying far out this, far out that. It's, it's very dynamic. Things, different things are happening. You know, you've got the bit where um, Sheridan flies over to, I think it's the Furies to see whether they're, you know, going to um, 
be combatant, and you've got a great moment of tension there. And then you get one of the ships leaving the battlefield. It, it, as I said, it's very dynamic, and it, it, yeah. it's a nicely done battle sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Captain Eklund on the Furies didn't fight. Um, Although, and- I feel bad for the... What are the individual starfighters called? Um, uh, the star Yeah, the star Furies. Because yeah. they seem to be the ones getting blown up the most on Sheridan's side. Uh, yeah. And they've yeah. got these nice advanced white stars. <laughs> and, you know, they can take a lot of damage. But you see all these Star Furies. I'd be kind of ticked off if I was a Star Furies pilot and be like, oh. Well, like, yeah, it's like infantry. Well, maybe those messages we're not hearing where the Star Furies are saying, some of them are saying, right, we're not going to combat either. They're sending messages to the individual white stars in their area. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of, you know, standing down. But yeah, we see a lot of them get destroyed. <laughs> um, yeah, some people have taken hit. Um, yeah, so finally Sheridan's about to be forced to um, sh- attack the Vesta, even though he doesn't want to. But Mac is taking back control of the ship. Demoted. Um, oops. Yeah, well, shortest uh, captaincy ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Three people dragging him away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like no one agreed with him. <laughs> We're not going like to that guy. The Juno withdraws, and the Pollux takes a hit from a white star that crashes into it. Juno is yeah. a Greek name. Well, the Juno was yeah, that. Um, that's the wife of the Hera. Yeah. Well, Hera in the um, Roman mythology. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Juno in the Greek one, and she's. I think. Um. He, uh, uh, yeah, I can't remember the the Greek name for Zeus. It's uh, Jupiter. No, Ju- Zeus is Greek, and then Jupiter is Roman. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing that everyone remembers Zeus, but always thinks that's the Roman one. <laughs> it's 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 a weird it's thing, weird. whereas that's a Greek one. Juno uh, yeah, is Roman. Yeah, that's Latin. Latin. Yeah, Juno is, uh, no, no, uh, daughter of Saturn and sister of Jupiter. Yeah, yes. so Hera, Greek Hera equivalent is was Hera. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's I've, it's I've, weird I've, because um, these ships have a mixture of Roman names and Greek names, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which Just makes it mythological. Extra, yeah, because you've got the Heracles, which is Greek, the Greek version of Hercules. So, yeah. yeah. I remember that Jupiter is Roman because on the show Spartacus, they have a phrase that they say sometimes that I won't repeat here, but it's quite colorful. <laughs> it's kind of a swear. Uh, Spartacus coming this summer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I t- near you. So, yeah, so the nemesis surrenders. Heracles doesn't want to surrender, but uh, the second release, Kelso of Command. He was afraid of what would happen if they lost, but yeah, he was playing crazy old guy moment. So yeah, he was like, "What? Where am I? What's going on?" So um, yeah, he was really a bad captain. Yeah, he was the commander of the fleet, right? Yeah, I basically think he was put in place by Clark, saying, "Right, he's one of my lackeys. Put him in charge of the fleet." And yeah. this lackey kind of has no real experience commanding a fleet. Yeah. Proxima 3 gets turned back over to local government. 
So they, they've achieved their uh, mission, but Sheridan doesn't want to call it a victory and wants to meet with all the captains. Well, I really think that you never really get a clean victory on Babylon 5. There's always a cost to it. Right. I mean, what started the fight was the when they shot down the 10,000 civilians. Yeah. So, I mean, it was already horrific before they started. And it's interesting because when you think about it, only the they only fought two ships really. In the mm. end, one was destroyed, and yeah, they, they took out her captain or put him in jail. Or well, whatever. they fought three ships, and then one of them withdrew from battle. Oh, that's right. They were kind of half-hearted. So yeah, it just seems like if these people, okay, so so ten thousand civilians were destroyed, but all these captains were still on board with what was going on. You know, it took till yeah. Sheridan came to get them to be like, okay, maybe this is not right, you know? Right. Yeah, maybe seeing Sheridan just gave them that extra push. Maybe they weren't, they didn't agree, because she says she doesn't agree with his policy, the um, Phillips, but maybe just having an ally there outside of Earth Force. And I think yeah. it's ambiguous as to what ships were there previously. Like, even if they, like, if the, the Mackie ship was even there before all this happened? Like, yeah, that's the impression I got as well, that, you know, after they shot down the civilian fleet, they reinforced the blockade to make an extra point. That's, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and all of this, it, it's, you know, it, it's just Clark trying to exert even more control and close his fist even tighter. Um... Yeah, so the captains don't necessarily agree with Clark, but they don't necessarily like what Sheridan's doing. I almost called it a shark. Um, they're going to talk things over in private. I like to, you know, we talked to you know, Nightwatch and heard about Ministry of Peace and Nightwatch in a while. Oh, this is where he says he wants a clean fight. <laughs> and they're going to let the voters decide if what they do is, what they're doing is right. Can we talk about a little... Well, we don't have to talk about it, but I just wanted to bring up a point that I noticed um, this episode especially is because this show is focused on Babylon 5, it's kind of like, at least at least in terms of Earth versus Babylon 5, it's kind of like a show being told in first-person narrative because we do not get like anything from Earth. You know, all we see is Babylon 5's perspective when it comes to like yeah. what's going on on Earth and what they're, what Clark is thinking or, you know, anything that's happening. And I think, I think it actually makes it a little bit weaker of a story for me because I like, it's just harder to tell, tell a narrative that way on TV when you're just seeing everything from their perspective. So, you know, you kind of have at the end of last episode them just reporting something that they found out, you know, and then them making that decision about what to do. I mean, I guess it puts you into their perspective more, so knowing they, you know, you know as much as they do. But I just feel like it would be a little bit well more well rounded if we got to see exactly what was happening in some places on Earth or at least within Earth government. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it does kind of put us like a very stark ethics, one side versus the other, and no middle 
like you were saying, what about those ships that well, they didn't shoot down the civilians, but they didn't stop them from shooting down the civilians um, in Hellback. So it doesn't really get into that gray area, which is kind of unfortunate because usually they're very good about that. Yeah, and it doesn't really build tension as well either because it would be interesting to see them, you know, sort of some of the captains sort of coming to the realization, okay, you know, there's that tension within the military um, that's happening and maybe you don't know which way they're going to go. And then it's just kind of like, there's not as much, I guess, I don't know. I just, I don't feel like there's as much building of the tension because you don't see all the different perspectives. Um, this is the first battle of the, or the first skirmish too. So it is, it is, but the, but this, but the whole thing about, but this has been going on since the beginning. We we don't really see anything. We had like maybe one scene on Earth, or maybe two scenes on Earth, but um, but we really don't see anything about what's happening with EarthCov ever. Yeah. You know. No, I think there's a kind of a note about why we never see Clark later on. Oh, is there? Because they use the producer or whoever it was as Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, no, they used the producer for the original president. Oh, yeah, Santiago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um... We've seen Clark, like, one time, right? Yeah, we have, basically. In, like, a video? Yeah. No, we've seen him twice. We have seen him twice. First time when he was getting sworn in, and the Mm -hmm. second time when Avadava found that message... But you know the message, right? Though we we know the message between um, Clark and uh, Morton. (laughs) But that's right. Don't see that much of. I guess there's only so much you can put into, and not be like a 20 year series. But um, I think you're right. Yeah, but it's definitely taking like the perspective of Babylon Five, so we know what they know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we don't have a an extra. Yeah, we're you know, definitely just following omniscient the narrative. Yeah, you know, it's almost, in a way, a case of possible unreliable narrator. In a sense, we have no idea what's going on on Earth. We get information related to us and reports of really bad things happening. But those are maybe just the extreme end of what's happening. We don't, we don't see the middle ground. We don't see the other side of it. Well, and for the 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 galactic war with the Vorlons and the Shadows, we never got all of it either. We learned it as the Justin explained it. Well, no, after that, Lorraine. like we we know that the. Um, Manbari know more things than we do because they don't tell the whole truth. You know, they tell the truth, but not the whole truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since the first episode, um, ever since the the pilot movie, um, it's yeah, it's not an omniscient. I it's, things have been revealed very piecemeal, which you know, it's you know, it wasn't revealed that the Vorlons were morally very ambiguous until almost the end of uh, that battle. Yeah. Oh. And speaking of the Mimbari, <laughs> when they show the ships, do you see those guys' figures? They're just like flying over these little shells or whatever. It just makes me laugh. It's like, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? Aerobics, I mean, acrobatics. Um, 
It's like, oh yeah, no Delenn this episode. Yay! <laughs> Yay for the no Delenn <clears throat> Lanier. Yeah, that'd be. It's okay. You can you can come back. It's too busy oh, writing hilarious to the academy. <laughs> if like when um when Sheridan's in with the other captains and he's like talking about this stuff and then he would say, "Well, to get the whole story, here's Delenn," and she comes in and says, "Millions of years ago." Yeah. Just walked them on the steps. <laughs> crying. All the captains are rolling their eyes like, "Oh, God. we surrender." <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> I, I love Delenn, but yeah, that's a, I've heard that speech way too many times. So. Um. Uh, yeah, no, no. I keep going back to the Babylon podcast and Delenn and her um, PowerPoint presentation of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we oh, forgot the. Um, so it's recording, I think. Check. Okay, um, let me see. So the handshake actually comes after the next scene, so let me just go on with. Um, on Babylon 5, Jakar actually does have that drink with Londo. He'll put his name on the statement, but not on the same page as Londo. Ah, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, last drink ended something. This drink might be the beginning of something. <laughs> so then Sheridan gets the news. Commander Levitt's going to retire and take the Heracles somewhere for repair. One ship is going to stay behind to help defend Proxima 3, and the rest are with Sheridan. And <laughs> get a very awkwardly zoomed in on Handshake. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I probably should. Well, anyway, it, I just found it hilarious, and we, we, we unfortunately cut out a part, but I told them I dreamt about the Handshake, that this was the new handshake for everybody, and I was in a coma, and I woke up, and everybody was doing it. Weird <laughs> dream, <laughs> and I felt very out of the, well, more so out of the loop than I am. But um, yes, for some reason, I had a dream about that handshake when I woke up uh, the the night after I saw this. So, okay. <laughs> that is a very weird dream. Uh, very weird dreams, and that was among the top, definitely. <laughs> so. I have dreams about Dana Scully, so it's not. <laughs> um, I wish. Well, that would be better than this. So, although, she was yeah. pissed off at me in that dream, so uh, <laughs> too. <laughs> um, but doesn't it seem like a, just so quick? You know, this whole turnaround. This, you know, all of them. Pretty much all of them are going to be helping out now. It or not like, doing anything. Some of them are just going to right, or it. well, or protecting the planet when they when they were, you know, doing the opposite before. Mm. Well, you know, te- so only one ship got destroyed, um, and we, you know, we, you know, that we don't know what way they would have gone, but you know, essentially, well, they were they were firing on civilians, so they were. Unless their captain was overthrown, like in the Heracles. Yeah, they could have ended up, um, you know, just going and sitting somewhere waiting on a course marshal as well. Um, the voice of the resistance, Susan announces that Proxima 3 is free. And all this is going on. We see Garibaldi is leaving, heading to Mars. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. So Bill and, Blair was here. I'm sorry. Yeah. There was some product. I mean, in terms of the rush, I don't know how much. Well, this is what they knew at the t- at the time. I mean, 
do you guys know about like the fifth season in terms of the production? I mean, because they um, moved networks. I think that's all we've said so far that they okay. they had to move I don't want networks. To too much, but you know, the fifth season they did change networks. Yeah, TNT. And well, well, I guess it was public knowledge at the time, wasn't it? Public knowledge, so I guess it wouldn't be spoiled. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure how much was. I would. I'll, I don't think I knew until like in okay. season four that they were switching. But I wasn't following, you know, JMS's postings online. Um. So how how did that factor into this? Sorry. Um, I'm not sure where he's going with this. Okay. <laughs> well, they're they switch. I. Didn't the network they were on shut down after the fourth season? Right. And they rushed the seasons because they thought they were going... We yeah, okay, that. We I didn't want to say before. it. Yeah. I didn't want to spoil it if you guys... Yeah. It was coming out, but they didn't know if there would be a fifth season. Oh, okay. R- yeah. So at this point, they don't know. Right. Yeah. So it might feel rushed for a reason. Oh, I see okay, but saying. that's okay, because I, I, this is my like favorite thing, is like the Earth stuff, so... I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah, I, I JMS wrote this. I know not knowing if they would be renewed for a fifth season. Um, and yeah, it's pretty network started on different, but that this may have been the in season, and they just they didn't know at the time. I mean, they were running season to season, but they definitely didn't know at this point whether they'd have the next season. Um. Yeah, I know this storyline. Oh, never mind. <laughs> um. Yeah. So he's yeah the. Vesta was the Roman goddess of the hearth. It had a, the logo was a flame in a brazier. Brazier. How do you say that? <laughs> um, the um, Heracles' logo had arrows. It's probably a reference to Heracles' poison arrows. Oh, they're not Cupid. Juno was the goddess of light and birth. Furies were goddesses who punished crimes against one's kin. Nemesis was the goddess who punished hubris, putting her, putting oneself above the gods. Pollux was, Cassar and Pollux were the two main stars of Gemini. When Pollux was killed, Cassar was so despondent that Zeus agreed to turn them both into stars so they could be together always. I was a biology major, so. And then I forgot all of Xena Warrior Princess, so that's about <laughs> all my knowledge. I remember Cassar and Pollux in the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. I can't remember that. Oh, jeez. Um, oh. That is one movie I did see. But it was very present that um, JMS knew in the future that, you know, two of the, two of the, somehow he knew that two of the ships would be turned into movies. One, one of my top, probably top five movies of all time in Juno. And one of <laughs> not, well, okay, not my favorite Star Trek movie ever, Nemesis. So. <laughs> yeah. One good, one not so good, but. Um, Why don't we ever see Clark? I wanted to keep Clark more a force than a person. An abstract idea, really, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. It's something it, about beer, but I don't know how what beer has to do with Clark. Hmm. Well, that makes sense because you know the shadow. I mean, I know he said before, and in his commentaries, that he wanted to keep the shadows as abstract as possible. And it's really only when you get to the end of season, what is it, three, when Sheridan crashes. The Star Fury on the planet, that not the Star Fury, the White Star on the planet, that we actually get kind of a not a 
well, we get Colonel Sanders and his minions. Essentially, um, it's, we don't even get, um, you know, who the uh, shadows really are then. We just get their right. servants. Right. And that was kind of weird. So I think he he's always said that, I remember yeah. this from um, one of his commentaries, that it's much scarier when something's behind a door and you don't see it, but you can just hear it and feel it. And then when you open the door, you're bound to be disappointed um, just because you've imagined something much greater behind the door. So I know that feeling, yeah. <laughs> mm. I mean, even in the very last episode the Shadows are in, they're, they're only represented really for the most part by versions of characters we've already met. And like, no. Like the scary mannequins. Ugh. So. Yeah. Oh, that's Vorlon, isn't it? The um, scary mannequin. Well, uh, yeah. So even both of them. Yeah. It's just yeah. So I can yeah. see where Clark is more of an idea than a person. Although I don't know, you think of his Earth, so it'd be I can see both sides of that. Mm. I do want to see more of Clark as kind of a face behind this movement, but also you know that the shadows were involved at some point, and that you know that's they're far and they just don't they don't hear anything except for you know what occasionally leaks in um so i don't know i can see both sides where you would want to see clark more or less but i know he definitely was on the side of seeing things less just because you can your imagination's a lot greater than reality uh, I not guess, mine <laughs> <laughs> i guess he got some questions about you know why didn't they just have the white star fleet slice through all the ships but basically just don't want to you know take the land out to slaughter all the earth force people there's some thunder going on over here it's kind of crazy really and mm. oh wait you're not in LA. um yeah i'm in rome um <laughs> <clears throat> And I guess he was saying that he couldn't have Jakar come around too quickly because it wouldn't seem genuine. It would seem false. It's oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I like how they meet in neutral territory, kind of at the bar. Yeah. As opposed to, it would have, I don't think it would have worked had Jakar gone, gone to Londo's um, room and said, okay, I think it much makes more sense where he was just like, okay, here's the deal. I'm done talking to you. Bye. Hmm. Also, it's more symbolic if it takes place at the bar because that's where the original drink happened. Right, right before the Emperor um, had a heart attack. Yeah, and I think then they were in different positions. Mm-hmm. The, you know, Jakar was the one sitting at the um, bar and took the first drink and passed it over to um, Londo. Exactly. Do we have any quotes? <laughs> Uh, you have one, but I won't go first. Go ahead. I actually, um, the, I don't have any real, real quotes, so go ahead. Well, you know, it's an Ivanova one. <laughs> trust Ivanova, trust yourself, anyone else, shoot them. I think that's the one I had. Wasn't there one that, um, like from season one or two, Ivanova is God? Yeah. Trust Ivanova? Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? I mean, there are a lot of quotable lines. I just get caught up in the story whenever I watch it. Yeah, I'm usually not trying to write them down. Um, I think actually having the extra week 
um, in between recordings allowed me to watch it again and get some quotes. Go for it. I, I thought Elizabeth might have one. Um, yeah, uh, go ahead. Now, okay, I'll go for my Jakar one. I'm sorry for, um, the lack of chains. The cleaning service must have been, sorry, I'll start that one again, <laughs> Will, please. I'm sorry for the lack of chains. The cleaning service must have removed them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. Well, I, th- I think Sheridan did say to Marcus, like, thank you for that ray of sunshine. Next time I feel the need to be depressed, I'll remember to give you a call. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Which is funny because Marcus is usually pretty sunny, you know? So for what he's going into battle, I guess. Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one quote that sticks out at me, and it's not really, but when she, when the Pollux is being destroyed, Sheridan's like, get to the pods, get to the pods. Because you can tell, I mean, the Shadows War was huge and epic, but this one he really is fighting his friends. And so even the people who, you know, who shot the civilians, he's, he doesn't want any more bloodshed. Oh, yeah. Right, for sure. Even those people that he hates, he's just tired of it. Just realized I haven't eaten since breakfast. <laughs> oh, tough. no. Um, so let us rate this. Ep- oh, wait. Who's our human of the week? <laughs> uh, so I have to at least vote for Clarence, but I could vote for somebody else, too. I, I, I don't know. I think I think he deserves it because he, he, he was a small part, but it's a crucial part, I think. He's very somber. And he kept everybody in line. When we're asking about Ivanova, he's like, no, <laughs> shut up. Just follow her. So, yeah. I'm all for Clarence. I, I, Clarence or um, Marcus, because Marcus was the Olympic sprinter for part of it. So he was- <laughs> <laughs> or I like yeah. the girl that the woman that um, took over the ship from Kelso. So I, I liked her too. Go with Clarence. <laughs> Who is our alien of the week? There are only like two of them. Oh. Three, I guess. Yeah, Veer, but how, Londo and oh, Jakar. Veer, right. Veer, Londo and Jakar. But how I feel that scene, though, that scene just steals it. And I can't choose between the two of them because both of them were incredible. <laughs> mm. yeah. um, I mean, I almost want to say Londo. He got to say more, and there's a lot of emotion. We haven't picked him in a long time, have we? Oh, two episodes. I think Londo, yeah. Oh, we did? In <laughs> Jakar. That's the one who proposed this thing, too. I, I, as I said, I'm, I'm, either of those two, they're brilliant in that scene together. So the, the rest of you decide. I'm going to say Londo. Well, yeah, Londo was the one who came up with the idea, so... Um, I like the car standing up for Earth in the meeting. That's, you know, yeah, like, that's true. Okay, I'm flipping my vote to Jakar then. Mm. Yeah, this, I'm going to flip too. <laughs> he was he was the first one to speak before anyone spoke. He's mm-hmm. like, don't squabble because look, Sheridan saved all your butts. Uh, <laughs> Earth can do so, anything for us. Sheridan did right, okay. and he's not asking you to go to war for him. He's just asking you to defend the station. Clarence and Jakar. They should do a show together. They should. Um, so ratings, you want to start us out, Derek? Sure. Okay. Like I've said about a hundred times already, this is, well, I have like five episodes that rotate as my favorite episode, but 
if I had to watch just one episode, it would be this episode. And I've done that before where I haven't watched Babylon 5 for a couple of years and I just want to watch one episode and I'll put in this one. So it's going to get a, um, I'll have to explain my rating, but 10 out of 10 poked bears for me. <laughs> That's, um, have you ever heard the expression, don't poke the bear? Yeah. So, um, we got it off of, there's this great movie called Grizzly, a documentary called Grizzly Man, if anyone's ever seen it. Yes. I've heard of it. Yeah, where it's not spoiling because they, that's the plot of the whole, it's where this guy went out to, he wanted to be the, with the bears and promote the bears and one of the bears ate him in Alaska, um, in real life. And so my wife and I got this, it's the, the documentary doesn't, it's not a surprise that this happens. It starts out at the beginning. So no spoilers, but it, ever since then, we've always gone, don't poke the bear. So someone poked Sheridan and Sheridan's a bear. He's no yeah. longer the golden retriever. So ten <laughs> bears out of 10. Nice. Mm-hmm. And That's... he's not offering orange juice either. How about... He should if he wants them on his side. How about you, Beth? <laughs> uh, yeah, this was pretty good. I, um, yeah, it was pretty good. I like how we're getting into this and I like, how he's already, you know, started to basically make his move and, you know, and sort of quickly try to right some of the wrongs that have been done. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I think it would be a little bit stronger for me if we had a different perspective, but that is what the show is. And so, um, for being their perspective, I thought, it kind of did a really good job of um, creating this battle. Sided perspective. I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I was, it was, it was pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say it was an episode that was one of my favorites, um, mainly because I do sometimes have a hard time following <laughs> some of the battles and who does who's doing what but i mean this one you didn't really need to know all the the different captains and what they were doing you just really just needed to follow the main couple ones that were shown and um i don't know i i of course clarence coming back adds (laughs) many points um i i kind of had the you know the way they brought him in um was kind of you know like i mentioned before it was it was like almost emphasized in the camera work and the music like him. And I was like, Oh my God, he's going to die. So I was going to, I actually thought he was going to die uh, for, for what, when I was watching this and I was, I was not happy. And then <laughs> <laughs> he didn't die. So that's good. So, um, well, I didn't think it was my favorite. Um, I did think it was pretty strong episode. So I'm going to give it a uh, nine Clarence forevers. Oh, <laughs> Oh, what about you, Ian? Yeah, I did really like this episode. I think you know it's a new chapter, as I said earlier. Although we're meant to think of each season as a new chapter, this really feels like a new chapter as opposed to everything we were dealing with before. I love the whole fight sequence in this. As I said earlier, it got a real dynamic nature to it. Um, it's yeah, high it's still, paced. Sorry. The graphics still hold up for me, you know, 20 years later. 
yeah, yeah. they look really good. Yeah, um, they they don't, you know. Okay, in Babylon Five, sometimes they just look very dated, but this one, I it felt very believable. Every year on Babylon Five, I think the CG gets mm. better, um, and it really gets into some interesting stuff here. Um, and this episode um, is an example of why I think. Battlestar Galactica, the modern one, is a spiritual successor to Babylon 5 in a lot of ways. And and I really think, I hope people who have seen BSG and haven't seen Babylon 5 hold with it until at least they get to this point in the series where we're dealing with the Earth War and they can see the similarities and, you know how they're dealing with these issues and it's done really well um except i know what's to come and uh, without being opinion spoilery i've just got to give it a nine out of ten rather than a ten out of ten so it's nine out of ten shared shots oh mm, i need a new writing it was going to be something (laughs) to do with that scene um all I'm going to say is I liked it. It was really good. Great episode. 9.5 out of 10. Um, do you already do awkward handshakes? Nope. <laughs> okay. <That's up. laughs> and Heidi said 6.5. Whoa. <laughs> oh, Heidi really didn't like this one at all. I think the, Although I think we'll she get to, gets confused with space battles. Yeah, she did mention the battle scenes. I will read her email in a little bit. Um... Um, what's next? Oh, it is. Okay, so let's <laughs> take the White Star Fleet to Proxima 3 and see if we can find out where Feedback Land is. So, I don't know, we've been getting a lot of, like, I think spam email and comments on the website. It's like, some of them are kind of vague enough that they could be appropriate, but it's a little weird enough that I think it is spam and just looking at the email address it's coming from. Like, some even mention, like, Delenn and Lanier or talk about, like, having so many episodes in a row or talk about stuff that I've known, like, dogs versus cats. I know I've talked about that on some podcast somewhere, but I'm pretty sure they're spam. Like, somebody is doing a really good job of, if they aren't spamming it is, you sending us this to us. Just let us know that this is not spam somehow. Because <laughs> I just deleted them. But... Somehow I missed a comment a few weeks ago from Board 99 on the illusion of truth. Board says, I'm very much looking forward to your episode on this one. When it appears, especially to see just how caustic you may be about Sheridan's who didn't say anything that could be taken out of context. Nothing at all. I can't certainly imagine how anything I or Delin said might have been taken out of context. There's nothing sinister sounding at all about that thing in the veiled can stop me now. And it says Ian can explain that reference. I think I I, I know it, but I can't remember where <laughs> it's from. Why can't I remember where it's from? I know, is this the Illusion of Truth episode? Yeah, the one yeah. with the news reporter, basically. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I know it, and I know it's a British thing, and it's... Oh, it's... it's just a just... quick Google search says... Doctor Who Funny, season know. four episode five the underwater menace. Well, no, oh yes, um, is that you series? But it's the old series. Nothing in the world can stop me now. Is actually, um, yeah, yeah, a classic Doctor Who thing. It really is. 
Yeah, it's black and white. Oh, that was um, that was John Pert. No, no, that was no, um, no, no, no. Um, what's it? Um, oh, um, Patrick Trout- Troughton. Yeah, and that- it really is. I I knew I knew it, and it, it, yeah, it's the it's the classic line. It's just apparently. Um, I haven't because the episode actually been recently found. Apparently, the delivery oh. of that line when you actually see it is actually done much better than it is on audio, okay. because for so many years it was made, it it was kind of one of those lines that was seen as a joke because it was nothing in the world can stop me now kind of thing. Whereas apparently the actor did a really good job when you see the visuals. I just oh. posted in the Facebook group, so I didn't put it there. Um, oh, that I, you'll be excited. I um, just got a couple months ago the um, War Games from, what was that? Was that the end of the second Doctor? Um, the Tin Party? I retract that, actually. I retract that. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> quite as good as I've heard that. It's one of those weird things. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> um, I love, Old Doctor. I didn't see new Doctor Who until two years ago, so that's how uh, I, I grew up on old Doctor Who back when it wasn't old Doctor Who. So back when it was semi-current Doctor Who. So next we have an email from Laurie and Carl on moments of transition. I can read something if okay. you want to send something. Yeah, um, I'll paste this in the Skype chat. Do, do, do. So just a second. Do, 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 do. There it is. Oh. Oh, we've got a Carl. Uh, okay. Oh. Good? Uh, if you want to read it, um, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> so, sure. Uh, let's see, is it the first one? Yeah. Carl's wondering. Unless you want to read I can read it. I don't mind. Um, yeah. oh. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm getting used to this Skype chat thing. Um, hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor. Oh, thank you. Wait. This was a really fun episode to watch with Carl. He absolutely loved Sheridan's plan and watching it unfold. Carl says he played them perfectly. Oh, I think um, you're on the wrong one. It's the bottommost one. Oh. Carl was wondering. Oh, I see. Where, okay. Hey, oh, no. My fault. That was from, like, the previous time I talked. Sorry. <laughs> Technology. Um, me, no smart. Technology. Um, Carl was wondering during the, all the battle, where is the worker cast? He wants an episode just about them. He was glad to see how the new Great Council turned out, though thinks we will see the failed warrior leader again. What do you all think? We will miss Naroon, parentheses, Ethan Rain. Hmm. Lori's ratings, 7 out of 10 Psychor badges. Human leader, Alien Naroon. So, you Carl- see feedback from last week then? Yeah, it was a late email from. Oh, sorry. Late from <laughs> when. He would, uh, uh, Nerun was burnt to a crisp. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh no, not yet. Yeah, put death on Nerun, but yeah, that was a thing. Yeah. Carl's ratings minus three port modem signatures. Alien Bob the Cowardly Warrior. Uh, human crazy cat person. Ship weirdly segmented ship at the beginning. Set chamber of the ancients. Death internal combustion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Plot. Buster being awesome. Well, he did have that good line about fiber. I'll insert there. <laughs> Relationship. Lita and Zach. I'm sure he'll be glad to find out she has rejoined the core. Aww. Flora. Waterfall. Best dramatic moment. Getting fired on the first day of work. <laughs> hmm. Comedic moment. Tired, grumpy Garibaldi. 
Best Actor, Walter Koenig. Best Camera Work, Very Slowly Opening Hole in the Ceiling. (laughs) Not to decide to destroy humanity. Worst Decisions, Sheridan's Decisions to Wage War war on Life Itself. Lynn will not be happy. Thanks again, Laurie and Carl. (laughs) Thanks, you guys. Yeah, always great to hear from you. Next, we have an email from Yarstow about this episode. Okay. I best take it if you can link me to it. Oh. Keep on doing this, don't you, Will? <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> Tried to open Facebook to send you the message and I see like Valentine's Day pictures and couples that I know. Um, we celebrated last week because it's too crazy. Hmm. And it's a commercially, um, it's a commercially created holiday. So you celebrated on Pancake Day. On Pancake Day was that was that last weekend? Yeah. Oh, I'd rather eat pancakes than hearts any day. <laughs> okay. Well, I've got uh, the document here then from Yasta. Greeting down below, casters. Here's my feedback for no surrender, no retreat. So here we are. The episode of the season was named for, but it's no longer about the Shadow War nor about the Membari Civil War, which got resolved at the last episode. Now the conflict is with Earth coming back to the foreground. I want to start with my remarks with something that's always present in Babylon 5, which we often take for granted, the music. I love the way the music in the episode helps set the mood for the story. The marching drumbeat, through the earlier part of the episode does as much to the show as much to show the station assisting back to a war footy as anything on screen Vesta is the goddess of the home and the hearth in the Roman pantheon so perhaps it's no accident that the Vesta is the ship commanded by Seridan's old teacher on the other hand I can't find any really good reason the other ship's name for the other ship's name is off the top of my head so it may just be a coincidence also one of the shots we see towards the end of the episode is of a near dist- of a uh, destroyer named the Alexander what does everyone think has the Alexander presumably still under the control of Major Rod's commander come to help defend Proxima, or is it just reused CGI? It's quite... Uh, okay, no, go, go ahead, if you got a theory. Uh, Major Ryan uh, took a part on Deep Space Nine, like his uh, previous... Um, the commi- uh, who was the chief guy who signed off. Um, yeah. They shipped over to Deep Space Nine, which I love both series, but since that's what uh, his predecessor did. Uh, what is it with Deep Space Nine stealing all the uh, command crew. Anyway, uh, oh. uh, the quote seems got coined. So the, uh, I guess the operation phrase now on is trust no one, a vada. No, trust a vada. Trust yourself. Anywhere now, shoot him. <laughs> and London. Hello, Jakar. I don't. I've been. You've been in my quarters before. Unless you count the Sellers and Terry Prime, apologise for the lack of chains. The cleaning service must have removed them. Third time round, I actually said that properly. <laughs> okay, uh, Lando. 
For the first time in a hundred years, we have something in common other than hatred. I find that most extraordinary. Sheridan, the hostiles might be saying... (coughs) Sheridan, the hostiles might be staying with both groups to keep them in line. Marcus, unless they're all hostile, and some are just more hostile than others. Sheridan, thank you for that ray of sunshine, Marcus. Next time I feel the need to be depressed, I'll give you a call. (laughs) Okay. And for favourite characters, human Edward Mackie McDougan. Arguably, Sheridan could have taken this but for screen time, but Richard Grant's performance just really helps make this episode for me. And Alien, Jakar and Lando. I have to declare a tie on this one. The two of them give performances that blow almost everything else in the episode away. Never mind just the other aliens. Honourable mentions of Vada Van Corwin. A lovely comedy moment between them. And it's not Corwin, it's Clarence. Sorry, oh. without Beth and Heidi here, I have to say it on their behalf. And he gives this rating, um, he can't fault it, so a six out of six ships patrolling the Proxima system. Yarso from the Netherlands. Thank you, Yarso. Yeah, thanks, Yarso. Next, we have an email from Laurie and Carl. For this week's for this episode. Week. Yes. Uh, they say, our commentary from while watching, Londo and Veer are back in Jakar, and Clarence is back, and Marcus is back. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Carl feels <laughs> like the way Sheridan is asking the other worlds to help B5 is somewhat abusing his power of protection over the other worlds. I can kind of see that. <laughs> With all the power, with the power of all the alien races, they could crush Earth, which would be bad. We notice that Londo does not speak in the meeting, though Jakar does. Carl called that they would ask the other worlds for heavy cruisers because that is what B5 is missing. At the end, when the Earth heavy cruisers sign on, Carl commented how important they are to the cause since they fulfill a strategic importance in battle that the White Stars cannot, and they need human ships to fulfill that role rather than just alien heavy cruisers. Carl is hoping Delenn comes back soon as she is the voice of reason for Sheridan. <laughs> Love how Jakar makes Londo ring about five times before having him enter. Love mm-hmm. Londo's speech to Jakar is really well delivered. Hope that you all do many quotes from that speech. Jakar is so stubborn. We would have had a drink with Londo. How about you all? Y'all would have done it. I would mm, have. Yeah. So, I'm very all forgiving. Right. We were very... I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no, I I don't know. I hopefully never will be in that situation. <laughs> yeah. We were very glad to see Jakar finally take the drink at the end. Lando's expression was priceless. Where is Proxima 3 supposed to be? How far away from Earth? Carl is thinking that the real story of this season is building to the conflict with Earth. What happens after the battle with the alien races? Carl wants to see more with Ivanova and Marcus. How about you all? It's Defo. Oh, definitely. Uh, I really think Beth and Heidi do as well. A few lingering questions from the episode. What business did Garibaldi have in Centauri space? What will he do on Mars? What does Garibaldi plan to do in the fight for Earth? How does Sheridan hope to use the frozen telepaths? Quote, that's Ivanova's quote about who to trust. Laurie's rating, 7 out of 10. Cheers. Human... (laughs) Captain Edward McDugan, Alien Lando. Carl's rating, Zero Sound and Fury, 27. 
Overall, a very good episode, but did not hold up as much as it could have to be the title episode of the season. The Londo Jakar scenes were the best part. Yeah, as far as title episodes go, this one is probably the weakest. I don't know if my ratings will hold up to what I just said, but <laughs> just thinking about it now, it's probably the weakest. I just like the complete change in direction it's taken. So, so favorite species to the humans, human douchebag commander dude, <laughs> ship B five decaled white star, set return of the war room, yay, tactical maneuver divide and conquer. I was gonna say, well, it's easy to turn. What's the voice of resistance back into the war room? You just push two tables together and <laughs> bring out those um, panels they yeah. were using. Oh, they had those. I guess I'm such a Star Wars nerd, but they had those the panels from Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back with the the clear ones. Yeah, on it. So I was all about that. Yeah. Hmm. Death in memory of all those who served on the Pollux. Plot building bridges. Dramatic moment shared as pep talk. Comedic moment, Veer's hair. <laughs> Actor, Josh Cox, Clarence. Camera work, final scene between Londo and Jakar. What would Sinclair do at this point? Who knows? <laughs> mm. Thanks, Loria Carl. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. And now we have an email from Yan. Want to take this one, Derek? Sure. I'm going to post it there. All. It's not a problem. Walking Dead comes back tonight. Yes, in three, two and a half hours. Although we get it through iTunes, so it'll take a while. By by then, this will be the past, and that will be the past. So it would have already happened, so it will sound like we're past. (laughs) Yeah. The the future is the past. The future is the past, and the present is. Okay. As soon as I said that, then I just, uh, I've got it right here. Yeah, it'll start with, hello, down bellowers. Bellowers. Okay, that's how you <laughs> pronounce that extra. Um, uh, I'm not sure, but that's how <laughs> I go for it. That extra down bellowers. <laughs> hello, down bellowers. My Dutch isn't so good, because is, is this Yarsto or is this John? I forget. They're both Dutch, right? Uh... I, I, I think they're both in the Netherlands. I'm not sure exactly. If they're of the Netherlands. Okay. Here's some feedback for the season four, episode 15. No surrender, no retreat. Ah, the title of the season. As we know from last episode, Sheridan has had enough of President Clark's attacks on civilian targets and wants something back from the allied races. Protection for Babylon 5. And Corrin is in CNC. Corwin, he was not forgotten. Yay. Proxima 3 blockaded. Sheridan has some use for telepaths. You get your wish, ambassadors. Veer has a nightmare. Garibaldi does not know. And Jakar continues writing. Do you think this will become the book of Jakar? Well, we shall see. I just love to see the development of the Londo-Jakar relationship. Sheridan and the fleet goes to free Proxima. Sheridan's arguing with his friend Mackie and pointing out what to do with illegal orders is good. Mackie's face does express a lot of the doubts. I just love Mackie's quiet comment when his second-in-command pulls the PPG. Yes. <laughs> After the battle, Sheridan makes a stirring speech. I like Sheridan realizing that this it was not a victory due to losses on both sides, but simply a first stage. Fine scene when Jakar takes the offered drink anyway and agrees to sign. 
Finally, Garibaldi leaves B5. So my questions to you, ambassadors, will we see him again? Um, well, um, the people who know, who don't know are off the call now. So I guess <laughs> we're not exactly good predictors. <laughs> now for the favorites. Human, Sheridan's friend Mackie. Alien, Londo for taking the initiative and go to Shakar. Quotes, Sheridan, from now on, Earth stands alone. Ooh, we haven't had that one yet. And I'll, I'll add to that. Earth stands alone with, um, you know, the Vorlon hybrid fleet and with some rangers and Mimbar. Mm. And support in, you know, diplomatic form from the Centauri and the Narn. And helping guard the base. Um, but after that, Earth is alone. Oh. So... Hang on, no, he may, no, no, he, in that quote, he means oh, Earth is alone with Earth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both totally messed up had, on that one. <laughs> sorry about that. I totally had that screwed up. Um, sorry no, about that. No, it's okay. You, you didn't do it on your own. I did as well. <laughs> <laughs> we just got so involved. Uh, Corwin's quote. So from now on, the operational phase is trust no one. Ivanova, no, I trust Ivanova. Trust yourself. Anybody else, shoot him. And Jakar's quote we mentioned earlier, I apologize for the lack of change. The cleaning service must have removed them. Mackie, always know you wanted a promotion, Bob. Never knew how badly until now. Ooh, I'm glad we got that one in. Later, Commander Philby's promotion has just been postponed by the crew. The Vesta is non-hostile. We are standing down. Sheridan, have the captains of the remaining ships meet me here in one hour. Let's see if we have survivors or allies. Jakar Delando. Issue the joint statement. I will sign my name, but not on the same page. Do you understand? Rating. We get politics, space battles, and a new alliance. I like the episode well, giving it 8 out of 10 ships lost in battle. Oh, that's all for now. Take care for while the Shadow War is over, the minions are still out there, and there is no surrender and no retreat. Don the Babylon Lurker. Thank you, Thanks, yeah. Thanks for all the feedback, everybody. That's mail at Down Below Podcast or the website, which... I couldn't pull up a few minutes ago, but <laughs> it'll be back by the time you hear this, hopefully. <laughs> Facebook.com slash group slash down below podcast. Yes, that too. <laughs> I've got it right there. And iTunes. No, I mean like the down below podcast isn't working right oh, now. Oh, you can but, see why I'm not a host. Um, so, or, um, oh, wait, I forgot. We have an email from Heidi. <laughs> I'll read this one. Sorry, Heidi. <laughs> I had it sitting right in front of me, so I wouldn't And I bet Heidi actually had some predictions as well. Heidi says... I really hope. Hey, guys. Sorry I can't be there again this week. I have family visiting again tomorrow. I hope things will be back to normal next week. She sent this last night. Um, So I didn't get to predict on this title, and I think it has to be about the struggle with Earth, but we'll see. This will be a stream of consciousness email as, as I watch. I just had a disturbing thought. What if Garibaldi ends up on the wrong side of this battle? What if he sides with Earth in order to side against Sheridan? Clarence! Wait, what was that look? Clarence is going to turn traitor, is he? Clarence isn't going to turn traitor, is he? Maybe that was just an annoying look between soldiers about the commander. Love the Londo and Jakar scene, but I really wanted to see them become, if not friends, at least allies. Once again, the battle scenes bore me. I guess Lando and Jakar too small a step forward. Um, quotes, the Ivanova, <laughs> trust yourself quote. Um, I would choose Ivanova as the human and Lando as the alien this week, but I don't really, don't have a really strong case for either one. The space battles always lose me, made more difficult <laughs> with all the people on the other ships we don't know. I'm giving this one six and a half out of ten, snubbing your enemy's offer of a drink. 
Talk to you next time, Heidi. Oh, Heidi, we missed you. Yeah. So the next episode is the exercise of vital powers. Any predictions? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have any predictions, Will? I have. I predict that uh, they're going to build a gym and no, <laughs> not the kind of exercise. Um, Clark's going to do a one hour exercise video instead of just <laughs> use the <laughs> power. Yeah. <laughs> so, Derry, thank you for joining us on this Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I keep forgetting. Uh, like, uh, like I said, we celebrated it last week, so my wife and I got the night off, but. Uh, good for you. And hopefully, I will be I will be trying to watch Sensate really soon. So uh, um, get on that Sensate. I'm gonna so. I'm gonna do that and do your podcast. And Ian's podcast is also awesome, and everybody else's uh, podcast is awesome too. But yeah, yeah get caught up very so you much. Can come on season two <laughs> of Sensate. So, <clears throat> all right. Well, that is all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with the exercise of vital powers. But until then. That's a good bye. Bye. Be seeing you. Absent host stroke off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. <laughs>